I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. Podway! So in this podcast, we talk about things about musical theaters and plays. And today's episode, we'll be talking about Hairspray. All right. So I'll just give a synopsis of the show. So Hairspray is about an overweight teenager in the town of Baltimore um, named Tracy, who is against all odd managers to get on a popular dance show. During her tenure on the show, she helps create a revolution centering race and weight. I think this is going to be a new one for us, or not new, but a return to normal. So for those of you who don't know, it's been a little bit of a pause for us. We've been on a break uh, two weeks. It was nice to get a break, I think, and it's nice to get back to it. Um, How do you feel about getting back, Claire? Oh, it was great. So for those who don't know, I went on a camping trip, which is why we had to pause for two weeks. And <laughs> I literally da- like watched this musical from my laptop in my tent out of nowhere with no connection, whatever. That was my entertainment. So in a way, this musical kind of kept me going when there was nothing to do at night when you're going camping. So I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, I appreciate that this is the musical we're returning with because I think both of us are familiar with it before and I personally really like it. What has your experience been like with Hairspray? I first knew about this from the movie. I had no idea what it was about. I was shocked by the fashion in the movie. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, um, I was not a fan of it. I'm still not a fan of it. I feel like, yeah. I feel like that's probably a big reason why I couldn't really get into it. So I'm so sorry if I'm going to not trash talk, but I probably don't have as positive of an experience as you do. So I'm just going to throw it out there (laughs) as a disclaimer. (laughs) And the fashion is the culprit for all of this, eh? I just don't get the hair. And then, I don't know, it's just something that's, related to that era's fashion trends that really confuses me does it not for you I thought that you're more into fashion than I do actually yeah that's why I'm surprised I always liked 60s fashion Um, oh you do okay yeah the two decades I couldn't get behind were the 80s and the 2000s so 60s 70s to a lesser extent 70s I'd say because the 2000s took a lot of inspiration from the 70s the 90s obviously I really liked in the 50s a lot of the show actually they feature is 50s inspired so you see like the kind of silhouette that a lot of like the preppy white girls wear very 50s so Mm. I think like the hairspray the hairstyles and some of the outfits they have in the later scenes are more 60s inspired and this is like the beginning of the 60s I believe it's 1962 and I enjoy those immensely uh what I think might be curious is if you hated the musical more because the musical compared to the movie had more outlandish outfits oh definitely and like way more outlandish hairstyles for sure my problem with the fashion is really less about the outfits and more about the hair of anything okay so the outfit, I think it's fine. It's not something I will wear now, but I can, it's not like something I absolutely hate. So it's okay. But the hair is really, I don't know. I really hate Tracy's hair. What's the reason? Uh, but yeah, but that's just me. It's definitely over the top. Like it wasn't that bad. I think, have you seen like Jackie Kennedy? Nope. No? I don't think so. Oh, okay. 
Um, oh, I mean, like you mean, like the is it like a movie where like you're talking about the real person? The real person. Okay. All right. Then yes, because、okay. I was thinking, like, is there any movie or like there are movies about Jackie that, Kennedy, but but does it name? <laughs> is it、um, called just like that? All right. Sorry,、uh, I wonder.、Saying? There was one with Natalie Portman, I think. I'm not sure what it was called,、mm-hmm. but I was I was going to see it, but I didn't.、Um, but if you've seen the real person, what hair hair looked like was more like what you'd see in the '60s. What they have on the show is way exaggerated, especially in the very last number.、Um, if you remember, what Amber had on her head. Was like a giant ball of hair was absolutely、oh, yeah. monstrosity. So obviously they're doing it in a very exaggerated way in the movie, less so, but in the musical for sure.、Mm-hmm. Agree. Okay, that's interesting. So you watched it how many times when you were when you saw the movie originally? Once. Once you saw it in cinema. I think I saw it on TV actually. Oh, interesting.、Yeah. Which is、Did、why you... I don't actually remember every single thing because it's kind of like an on and off thing, because there's advertisement in between, right? Oh,、uh, oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, I watched it in, in like theater, so I think I had、okay. a different experience, and then I owned it on DVD as well. But did you recognize any of the actors when you saw the movie? I recognized Zac Efron. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, were you a fan、um, of High School Musical? Because I was. I watched it, and I think it was big when I was going to uh, uh, middle school. Yeah,、school-ish. yeah, it was. So, <laughs> so I definitely, I, I won't call myself a fan, but、okay. I definitely had their songs like in my phone or something. Wow, your phone had a bigger capacity than mine did. Mine had like capacity for three to four songs maximum. Oh, really? I had like a separate. MP3 player, you know those? Oh, I know. Okay, okay. Do you remember? Like an iPod, but like not an iPod, but like an MP3. An off-brand iPod. I was not. I have that to have too. I have one of those too. <laughs> yeah, so I think that had a capacity of like twenty songs. They were definitely there, but they weren't good enough to be. Well, they were good enough, but they weren't on my phone. I'd say like I wasn't a big enough fan for it to be all over my phone. But I had like. Merchandise of High School Musical. I had the DVDs. I was a fan, but not to like a crazy extent, you know. Okay, okay. Funny story though. My sister used to have、um, "What Time Is It" as her like alarm, <gasps> and then I hate the song.、No, I hate the song so much. Oh, your sister has good taste. It's very clever, but then the thing is that she doesn't wake up to her alarm, so she just leaves her alarm on for like. Another good ten twenty minutes, so I have to listen to the song because we share the same room.、Mm-hmm. So after a couple of days, like trust me, you hate every single song that <laughs> you put as your alarm. So I really hated it. I'm sorry to, to think your sister is me actually because I put an alarm and I don't wake up at all. Like ten twenty minutes, that's not the thing. Like an hour later, I will not wake up, and everybody、oh. else in the house would be waking up and waking me、Emma. up. Did you recognize anybody else?、Um, I know the guy who plays Tracy's mom. Yes, but he ate everybody for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's not a fat joke. He was just amazing. He was the best thing that ever happened to this movie for sure. Easy. It's John Travolta, by the way. I know, I know, I know. I just forgot、oh. the name. Yeah, yeah, John Travolta. He、um, obviously was famous for being in Greece and Saturday Night Fever. Did you like his performance? I thought it was okay. I,、uh, in general, I didn't get the joke of like trying to find a guy to play the character. So I feel like 
I just didn't like the choice all that much. But then, oh. yeah, but but he did a good job though. He did amazing. So the joke, quote unquote, is from the original movie for Hairspray. So before Hairspray was adapted to become a musical, it was a 1988 movie, I believe. And in that movie, the person who played Tracy's mom, whose name is Edna, uh, was the drag queen Divine. And she is royalty. She's amazing. She's actually the inspiration behind Ursula um, Mm -hmm. from The Little Mermaid. So uh, they decide to keep the decision to get a man to do it in drag for the musical. And I think that's such a clever choice. And I think it's kind of like an homage and a nod to the legacy of Divine. So I I appreciate it personally. Okay. Anybody else that you may have recognized? Nope. You didn't recognize Amanda Bynes? Nope. You didn't watch like the Amanda show or like She's the Man? No. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in a very different culture. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But like you had high school musical, you can have she's the man. That's true. But I don't know. I, I guess maybe the TV was selective. Um, I have no idea. That's fair. That's fair. What I meant to say is this is a star studded movie. They did an amazing job. And this is why I prefer the movie to the musical. But the musical is also very, very good. There were a few changes, a few key changes between the movie and the musical that I think we'll discuss when we like go in depth into things. But apart from that, I guess it's a very long winded way to say the movie was my introduction to Hairspray as well. And I haven't watched a musical up until we had to do this episode. I went to see Hairspray in theaters. I had the DVD, as I mentioned. And I used to watch the DVD like very, very, very frequently, like every other day almost. I wouldn't know necessarily a lot of the songs. I would try half know some of the songs because my English was non-existent. So I would do my best. And I think like it was a really interesting way to get acquainted with like some of the issues that existed in the 60s and some of the 60s feel like like mood and movies so I thoroughly thoroughly like this as a kid um so maybe we'll balance each other out I would be like a proponent you might be an opponent we shall see so let's get into it with the first song good morning Baltimore So I think we mentioned before, but this musical takes place in 1962 and we start a show with Tracy Turnblad, an overweight teenage girl waking up and getting ready for school. And um, she sings about her love for the city she lives in, uh, which is Baltimore and Maryland. So it's a pretty straightforward opening number. What are your thoughts? I agree. It's very straightforward. I think it's a pretty good opening number. It's cute, energetic and um, music wise, pretty catchy. I like the part where we get to see that her ambition of like trying to be something bigger from the start. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, music wise, this is probably my favorite song. So oh, really, I know right off the bat. Wow. Because <laughs> I have to say, I think music wise, this musical is pretty mad to me. Okay. So there's not a lot of numbers that I can remember okay (laughs) at least like not after the very first initial listen so and funny thing is because I was on the camping trip so I actually listened to the soundtrack first before I watched the musical which is so something that's very unusual for me 
Very usual for me, because though. <laughs> I know, I know. But if you listen to our previous episode, then you will know. Well, like, you know, Becky listened to the soundtrack before she watches anything. I usually go into something completely blind. And even though that this musical technically is not my first exposure to the story, but, and I watched the movie before, right? But I didn't remember a thing from the movie. Oh. So listen to the soundtrack was like, a very special experience for me, I'll say. And right off the bat, I didn't enjoy the original cast recording for sure because her voice was so, uh, I don't know. It's just something about her voice. It's like very high pitch and it's very girly in a way that mm-hmm. I find it very annoying after okay. like a couple songs. So I didn't like the song at first because I was like, oh my God, I couldn't enjoy it because of the voice. But um, when we watched the version that we did watch, I have forgot which one we watched actually. But when we did watch the, when I did watch the musical, it was a lot better. So in the end, it turns out that this happened to be one of the better songs for me. Mm-hmm. We yeah. watched the original Broadway cast. You watched the did first we? option, right? No, I watched the second one. Like, oh, you did not watch the original. One? I watched the original Broadway cast. Oh, and okay. I think you watched the revival. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because like I would I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the vocal as much. But oh, yeah. okay, okay. I agree with you though. I did prefer the movie cast in a lot of instances compared to the musical cast. So I am of similar opinion to you, though I think the actress who played Tracy did both the actresses in the movie and the musical did a phenomenal job for me. My bias towards the movie comes essentially with Edna's character and a few others. I think it's a very strong song as well. I really like the way that the actress in the musical sings the O-O-O because it has a lot of personality. And I think it's just like really cute overall. It shows you who Tracy is as a person, how positive and optimistic she is as a person, and obviously her love for dancing, and also the familial conflict with her mom where she discourages her from following her dreams because, you know, she's scared of what would happen to Tracy if people just shattered it because of how she looked like. I think it lays a lot of the important foundations funny thing about this number and me so um, as I mentioned I watched the movie while I was young and I didn't speak English really at that time but I tried singing a few of the lyrics that I managed to catch and uh, one of the lyrics that I did was every night is a fantasy and I was singing that and my mom just like perked her ears and was like Becky what are you singing because she thought it might be something inappropriate and I was like it's from Hairspray mom and she was like (laughs) that's funny yeah and she's like are you sure and I literally showed her the portion where it's from and she's like okay That's fine. So I felt like I was doing something bad and I didn't even know what the song was about. So that was fun. But apart from that, I think it's a good opening number. It's not the strongest we necessarily had in the entirety of, you know, our time talking about musicals, but I think it's definitely serviceable. Okay. Um, I just think it's more catchy. I hate the oh oh part though. You do. Oh, this is what I like though. Oh my God. We have very different tastes. Apparently, apparently. Yeah. For the next one, we have the nicest kids in town. So we cut to the Corny Collins show, which is a popular local teen dancing channel that Tracy and her friend Penny watch. So the host, Corny Collins, sings the opening song. 
And meanwhile, Tracy and Penny race to the TV to watch the show on time as Edna's Tracy mom does the laundry for Penny's mom. I guess I'll go first with what I think. I really like this song. So obviously I don't endorse the message, but it's a lot of fun, I think. So in the movie, they added Becky to the roll call. And that's another plus for me. It wasn't present in the musical. So I think this is another point for the movie. And um, apart from that, I really like seeing baby Matthew Morrison. So it's the version that I watched, Claire, not the version that you watched. But on my endless crusade to insert Glee to every single episode we discuss, Matthew Morrison played Mr. Schuster in Glee. And seeing everybody fawn over him endlessly made me laugh so hard because <laughs> it just like he's Mr. Schuster to me I don't understand how everybody is like literally falling off their feet whenever he shows up so I derived a lot of pleasure from that and in terms of corny I prefer James Marsden as corny rather than the actor that was playing him in the musical uh, but this guy was also a lot of fun I got a bit less energy from him but it could just be like my lack of taste who knows Okay. What do you think? I think musically, it's okay. It's a pretty nice song. I, I like how he's like secretly trashing on like the members or like uh, the people on the show because like the lyrics is like not too bright. It's actually kind of dark because mm-hmm. he sings about um, like, oh, forget about your calculus. You can always do your homework on the morning bus. And then mm-hmm. it mocks like the youth culture obsession at the expense of, I guess, academic success and or just in general like academic intelligence I guess so I thought it was interesting because at first glance I thought like the song just a really boring song that talks about you know kids being popular and all but it wasn't until that I read the lyrics and find out that okay there's actually some of the trash talk happening here and I thought it was very interesting but other than that, I don't really think too much about this. It like it's a very nice seg- segue into like how the show is an important one because it will be the main thing that's driving the plots for Tracy, but also like introduce us to other really important characters. So narratively, it serves purpose, and I think it's quite clever that they have the song here, just so that we can kind of transition into the main plot mm-hmm. of the of the story but mm-hmm. other than that like music wise it's okay, okay. <laughs> that is fair I think this is something that I also picked on and that's exactly why like I don't endorse the message kids still stay in school you know uh, one of the line is like who cares about sleep when you can snooze in school you'll never get to college but you'll sure you'll look good and I was like oh mm-hmm. no not okay not approving <laughs> stay in school so Uh, I also like that it just like felt very tongue-in-cheek I think in a way just like you mentioned the priorities of some kids are a bit skewed they can't think very much ahead necessarily and uh, this is like a perfect way to encapsulate it in this specific way. The next one is one that didn't exist in the movie so it was new to me while I was you know listening to this for the episode which is Mama I'm a Big Girl Now. So we cut to Velma, who is the producer of The Corny Show, and she nitpicks all the participants besides her daughter, Amber, whom she pushes to the spotlight. We immediately see she is racist as she asks Corny to stop with that Detroit sound again, which is kind of code word for Black, and she wants to steer them in the white direction. 
Um, we see the two stars of the show, which are Amber and Link. Um, they become a couple who decide to make it official, and that depresses Tracy, who has a massive crush on Link. One of the show's regular is taking a leave of absence, quote unquote, and the show is holding out open auditions during school time the next day. Tracy and Penny want to go, but their moms immediately veto it. So Tracy's mom doesn't believe that TV producers would allow overweight people on TV and doesn't want to shatter Tracy's hopes and dreams. And Tracy tries to appeal to her dad to let her audition. And he encourages her to follow her dreams and audition anyway. And then we cut to conversations between all three mothers. So we have Edna, Velma, and Pretty, who's Penny's mom, policing their daughters as the three daughters try to reason with them that they are grown up and can make their own decisions. So as I mentioned, this is not a song I was familiar with before because it wasn't in a movie. And I actually really like it because it feels very 60s to me. So my parents are a big fan of like 60s music and they used to play it all the time during car rides. And we had a few CDs they put on rotation and the CDs were like dancing the 60s and women of the 60s or something and they passed the love of the 60s music to me and to my siblings and uh, another really cute thing is they also took dance lessons together and usually they dance to them and I always loved seeing them dancing together so that's another thing that made me really like the 60s music so I think the vibe of the song really fits with the vibe of the stuff I'm used to hearing too as a kid. And that made the song very endearing to me. And apart from that, seeing Wilbur encouraging Tracy to follow her dreams, Wilbur is the best character in here as a person. What a precious, precious man. I love him so much. So all of that just made it very heartwarming. Um, Though the song itself is not necessarily like very heartwarming on its own, the messages around it and the vibe it gives is really nice to me. But what do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a good way of like summing it up. I also feel like he's like probably the best character out there. So sweet, so nice, so supportive, so loving Mm. as a parent and as a husband. Like, oh my God, I'm very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but going back to the song itself, I think it's okay the main song like sounds nice mm-hmm. but then the the mama I'm a big girl now part is so so childish for me it's oh, like yeah. uh yeah I don't know I, I couldn't really get into it and like you said it's not a song I think they included in the movie mm-hmm. so it was my first time listening to it and I don't mind it it's not horrible it's not like Emily but <laughs> I don't know. Like what irrevocable damage have I caused by making you listen to Amelie? I don't know. But I feel like it is definitely beyond repair. It doesn't damage me all that much, but it's just very boring. It's not memorable, which is even worse than having a bad song. But yeah, so like music-wise, it's a little bit disappointing for me, even though there are some parts that actually sound kind of nice. But narratively, I couldn't really relate to the song all that much because imagine saying this to my parents who are very traditionally Asian like it will not and well for me so <laughs> it's a very white ah, gosh that came out wrong but like it's a very western concept mm-hmm. song is all I'm trying to say and uh and yeah so I guess even though the song itself is all that memorable and nice, but um, but like you said, like the message around it is really quite heartwarming. I can live past that. I can just kind of let it go. 
Mm-hmm. So we did talk about your dislike for 60s fashion or at least the hairdos. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about 60s music? Are you familiar with it? Is it something that your parents put up a lot or? Well, it's funny because when I think about 60s music, all I can think of is like the rock music and I don't oh, really listen to anything else that could not be um, further from my parents no <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah are your parents big rock fans or is like your your own like intrinsic it's interest funny. in rock because music? we listen we do listen to old songs but probably not in English mm-hmm. so we listen to like old Chinese songs mm-hmm. um and I can remember if they're I don't feel no they're not rock fans and not like now that you brought it up, I was trying to think like where did I get all these interest and exposure to rock music, and I can't really remember how or why. Older siblings, or who or when? That's the funny thing. Nobody else in my family likes rock. Oh, so maybe it's a friend or like I have no idea, but it's just something that I'm more um, familiar with. Do some introspection, meditate on it, and thank whoever the person <laughs> is, I think. I feel like it's something that has really, like, shaped your music taste because we talk often about, I think, like, rock music and stuff like that and your relationship to rock music versus my relationship to rock music. And I think mm-hmm. it was something that has kind of, like, defined a large part of your music taste. So yeah, something that's so worth weird. thinking about. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah, because now that I think about it, it's like I listen to like Gun N' Roses, I mm-hmm. listen to like ACDC, and uh, like all those really, really old rock bands. And I'm like, how did I even get to know these people in the first place? <laughs> so yeah, I'll think about that. <laughs> these bands exist on t-shirts to me, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> The next song is I Can Hear the Bells. So Tracy and Penny come to the audition and run into Link, which uh, prompts Tracy to dream about a relationship with him. What do you think? So I have mixed feelings about this one because right. musically, I like it. It's pretty catchy and sounds nice. But I really dislike songs like this, like narratively. Me too. Because it's so inappropriate. Like if the gender roles were reversed, oh my God. I don't think this would be inappropriate if the gender roles were reversed. Really? Because this is just fantasy. They're just dreaming, right? They're dreaming about like a person they like. Maybe, but I don't know. In a way, it's like sexualizing them too. But that's just how I take it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't like characters when they're like go all out fantasizing, romance especially, mm-hmm. and uh, I can never relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just never, I guess, part of my DNA. I guess <laughs> or like my personality, and it's just never. I don't know. I'm I'm having such a hard time trying to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um. So on that note, I really don't like the message of the song. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? Oh, this is the one song that I like m- minus about in the entire movie. So this is something that I obviously recognize from the movie. And it's the one song I was not enthusiastic about whatsoever. Uh, I'm not a big like, I mean, I am. I like romance, but I like romance in like a rom-com way where it's more wholesome. This doesn't give me that. This gives me sappy. And I'm not a big sappy person. I don't know. I just... I didn't connect with the music. I didn't connect with lyrics. I didn't connect with like like imagery of it at all. So it just doesn't seem as strong and engaging as even some of the other love songs they have here. So they have like 
without love and they have you're timeless to me both of these are like but this one being the first love song in the movie you would assume it would be better but i don't like it to be honest yeah yeah i wonder if a lot of people do like it uh if maybe it's something that we cannot see but other people derive different meanings from because i don't think it's a harmful like number per se it just is so bland and boring to me that i can't derive much from it yeah i agree agreed <laughs> so the next one is my second favorite to be honest i feel really bad i always go for the villain song and this is apparently no expe- exception i was struggling so hard between choosing this or another one is my favorite and i decide to settle for another one but this is ranking super super high on my list specifically for the movie i do not like this as much in a musical at all but the movie is like s tier for me so it is the legend of miss baltimore crab um velma runs the audition and makes fun of all the girls who come to audition saying none of them are of the same quality as the girls in her days and she dismisses tracy at the end not only for her size but also because she supports racial integration and the end of the song tracy goes back to school dejected where she gets detention for cutting class and little nez who is a young black girl asks to audition as well which velma refuses immediately Um so as I mentioned I love this number so so much it's just like absolutely evil to the core but she revel and enjoys and is proud of her evilness that I find it super duper entertaining and as I mentioned like I prefer Michelle Pfeiffer in this role compared to the person I've seen so much more not only because I find her vocal more pleasing but I also think she's a lot more realistic for the role like Michelle Pfeiffer is gorgeous and the person they got here is not as good looking I'm sure she was good looking in her heydays but I can't imagine her having the same kind of influence as she does now without being um very very beautiful because a lot of the influence she gets is because of how she looks so I think the movie did it so so much better I can see why you like it cuz it's like a very typical Disney villain song. Yes. It actually reminds me so much of a Disney villain for some reason. Right? Yeah, it does. It's very very typical. It sounds just like that. Like any villain song you'll find in a Disney cartoon movie. Agreed. So definitely I'll give you the credit for it. Thank you, thank you. But I'm never like a big 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 fan of villain songs so I don't I don't feel like Be I have prepared. a as, Yeah, except for Vicky Kate. Except for anything like okay. Lion King is up as a whole whole not another level of exception for me. But Did anyways. you watch Hunchback? No. Oh, okay. Where was I? All right. Um so I guess because I am not too big of villain songs so it's just okay. I still enjoy listening to it. I think musically it still sounds pretty nice. To me just like, you know, a villain song and nothing mm-hmm. too special. Okay, that's fair. Uh did you find it memorable in any way? Yeah, cuz it's more... a villain song. <laughs> oh, okay. Like yes. more memorable compared to like the other ones. You know, you have stock ones that is like the downest, the lowest point, the opening song, the love oh, song, okay. stuff like that. Um I'm I remember it, but for a very weird reason because the oh. whole time I was trying to figure out what does the crab mean in this context because i'm like i am if it's a metaphor i'm not getting it mm-hmm. so what does it mean i'm pretty sure it's just the name of the title 
but I was also thinking about that. It's like, oh, does the crab symbolize anything? But no, you know how they have like Miss Teenage Hairspray and that's like the big competition they have at the end? Uh huh. It's pretty much the same thing, I think. Maybe like instead of Hairspray, the sponsor was a crab restaurant or something. Who knows? Um, so that's what I figured it was. Really? Okay. But that's yeah, that's it? something that I also thought I'm about. so disappointed. I thought you it are? would be like something deeper to oh. it, but okay. I mean, it so could okay. be a joke because you know one of the lyrics is like those broads stuff they like their cups but i screwed the judges so maybe crabs is like the sexually transmitted disease who knows okay okay but i think it's probably this like the sponsor for the show okay but if you have any other information let us know let us know let us know but for me i rate it really really high and for you i think it's one of the upper ranking ones i guess Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. too horrible. So yeah, not too horrible. Okay. So the next three I'm going to just like put together, and that's the nicest kids in town reprise. It takes two and Velma's revenge. So at detention, Tracy meets seaweed, who is a black dancer, and they bond over their mutual love of dancing. And he teaches her a few moves. And then we cut to the corny show where he's holding a public dance out to try and find a new recruit for the show. And Corny notices Tracy and is impressed by her moves. And at the end of the, sh- the song, he hires her as a new dancer. Then Penny rushes Edna and Wilbur to see Tracy on TV. And they're very excited to see her. And uh, in the movie, I'm just going to mention it here. They had a song called The New Girl in Town right after like the nicest kids in town. But sh- like is kind of like a side by side black and black girls and white girls singing the same song and the white girls in comparison to the black girls are very incompetent and the black singers are overshadowing them completely and I think that's like another commentary they had that this is not about talent this is about like your appearance and about the discrimination they faced and I was really really sad to see that it wasn't featured in this musical they cut it pretty early from what I've read uh, and I think they did a really good job by adding it back to the movie but I'll just we'll talk about it separately I think but do you have any recollections no not really no, no? okay uh it was very fun though. <laughs> I, I promise you guys okay. uh it ranked pretty high for me so after that Corny introduces Tracy on the show and gets Link to sing a song for her and that song is It Takes Two at the very end the show sponsor Mr. Spritzer complains about Tracy being in it due to her appearance and Velma vehemently agrees while Corny sticks up for Tracy putting his career on the line which I thought was a really good move for him and because he did that Velma couldn't do anything and she just like plots revenge against Tracy in her mind. So is there one of them did you know specifically you had specific thoughts on? Oh, in general, I'm just really amazed by like the dancing part mm. um, because my culture just doesn't dance as much. So it's very nice to see other people enjoy, which is why I thought it was very nice that they're able to bond over it or like other culture has a very heavy dancing component to their daily activities or their daily I don't know what do you call it like a de- identity cultural identity whatever mm-hmm. um and I thought it was nice because it's something that I'm never used to doing so it's interesting to see that 
And I'll probably never have the chance to bond with seaweed because I, I won't be able <laughs> to dance. Aww. But that's just in a whole nother topic. Penny can't dance and she bonded with seaweed. Oh, that's a whole nother different <laughs> bonding we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right. And for It Takes Two, narratively, I don't feel like the song has too much purpose. And Link at this point, he's not very likable. He's a me. douche canoe. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't really enjoy Tracy's character, this side of her character too, because she's so creepy. And the fact that she forces to like kiss him at the end of the song was like, eh, I didn't enjoy that part at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just way too creepy. And mm-hmm. like I said, I just never, I can never relate. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I am really disappointed by this one. So again, let's talk about the movie for a second. Like we haven't talked about it at all <laughs> so far. So in the movie, they had Zac Efron had a song called The Lady's Choice. Not sure if you remember it. Probably not. Okay, you do not remember it, but it was really good. So the scene was when they were having the dance, the tryouts, whatever, that was public mm-hmm. in front of Corny he was singing the song that everybody was dancing to and that song was Lady's Choice. So it wasn't necessarily on the show that he, though he did sing like a snippet of It Takes Two on the show from memory. But uh, this was like more of his bigger solo, I'd say. And it was so much nicer and so much better. And that's actually like that song is a jam. So It Takes Two for me was a really bland, boring sappy again really would like I cannot take the sappy love songs that's why it was so I didn't enjoy it so I was really disappointed to see that the lady's choice wasn't there personally and that made I think it takes two even worse because I do remember it a little bit from the movie but not a whole lot and here it took front center stage in terms of the nicest kids in town reprise it was nice to see like Tracy shouting in the end and I'm Tracy and then like the music going up so that part was really rewarding for me and for Velma's revenge it was so fun because she went peak Disney villain she like went all out with the crazy evil and I enjoyed that tremendously obviously it was to the same tune as Miss Baltimore Crabs but um this was really good I really enjoyed it but it takes two which is the actual only new songs here because the other one are kind of reprises big thumbs down for me yeah yeah okay that's fair okay so then we get welcome to the 60s so we cut to edna encouraging fans on the phone to vote for tracy for miss teenage hairspray and edna and tracy talk about tracy's experience on the show and how much she's been enjoying it when tracy suddenly gets a call from a plus-size clothing store owner his name is mr pinky i believe who wants tracy to be his ambassador Tracy agrees to meet him to discuss this matter with her agent. Her agent is her mom. So Edna initially refuses because she hasn't left the house in years since she's really self-conscious about her appearance. But Tracy convinces her to leave the house and come with her for the meeting. I love this number so, so, so much. It's so wholesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love a quick outfit change in any production whatsoever. And they have that here. And the outfit looks so amazing, so bomb, very colorful. You might hate it. (laughs) but I I really enjoyed it and I really like the chorus in the background like they sound really really good so they have the three chorus members and they're the one who sang the uh, new girl in town which wasn't here so uh, they were in the movie for both songs and I wanted to see them again and I 
liked seeing them again. I don't know if you remember, but they had, each of them had like time to showcase their talents in the very end in like different ways, like their singing abilities. So one of them would do like really high notes, one of them do like a lot of like belting. So it was really, really exciting to see it. And just the whole message is so cute, so sweet. And it's nice to see Tracy sharing the wealth and giving her mother confidence and making sure that her well-being is met and not just her own, you know? So I really, really like this song. But what do you think? I like the song too. Yay. I think this is one of the really nice songs. It's so sweet, like you said, to see Tracy like helping her mom to find confidence back and like to get her out and everything. And the costume change, I agree. It's just very rewarding to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such like a big woohoo moment. And I enjoy that. I am just very, I don't know, like, up until the point when you explained what was the origin of the character, I was just very curious to know why they decided to cast a man to play the character. Mm-hmm. And then I read this very interesting theory online, obviously without knowing anything about this. So it's just a theory I read. But it was like um, that you can see that maybe, maybe, that they were trying to show like the couple as a homosexual couple but I had no idea if that was the intention or not Mm -hmm. so I just thought it was interesting because I was just so confused because like you from the movie I also thought that it was an actual woman at first (laughs) and then I realized like this cannot be this cannot be like what the heck and then and I realized that it was actually a man playing her so I was like uh, a little bit confused and then I read the story uh, the theory online and then it makes sense in my head so I'm like okay mm-hmm. and uh, you were not wrong when you assumed that I hated the fashion because I do hate it I thought the even though I like the fact that they have a costume changing moment I don't like the costume they changed into mm-hmm. so yeah but it's okay it's a it's a fashion taste thing it doesn't take away the energy and the the wholesomeness of that's fair I think they also exaggerated a lot in the musical because people need to notice the costume change or be able to appreciate it from the far back seats Mm -hmm. and making it over the top kind of ensures that they are able to observe it too so I think that is a huge purpose of why they went so over the top uh, but I don't know. I personally enjoyed the colorfulness of it. I think it shows a lot more self-assurance and security that the both Tracy and definitely Edna feel because I feel like a lot of people who feel self-conscious would try to go for like something like black or monochrome and would hide behind like big silhouettes. So for example, Edna was wearing a big nightgown. Um, so before that, they had like a scene where she got a phone call and somebody was asking what she was wearing. And she was like, oh, you know, I'm wearing these rags. And they hung up immediately. And it was supposed to be funny, you know. And it really shows that she didn't feel as confident to be able to like dress the way that she wanted to. And now she's gaining the confidence to wear something that matches her personality more. And I thought it was really, really cute to see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I personally always like the fashion moments and I think they did a good job showing the journey of these characters specifically. And in the movie, they did that really well too. In the musical, they actually pointed it out about um, uh, Penny's character 
she has a big makeover at the end and she has a similar transformation to Edna even though she's traditionally good looking I think that's that was supposed to be both in a movie and a musical she always dressed in very like old-fashioned clothing and uh, for the ending she dressed in something that suits her personality more and everybody took notice of that too so I like that they have these kind of narrative arcs for all the characters that's a good observation yeah I Mm -hmm. totally did not recognize Maybe maybe it didn't exist in the version you watched. I don't know. I didn't watch your version, but it could be something that didn't exist there. From Welcome to the 60s on until the end of Act 1, all the song- songs for me are absolute bangers. The next one is Run Until That. Tracy is gaining popularity, so Amber is really jealous and she tries to sabotage her by spreading rumors about her. And at PE, Tracy introduced Penny to Seaweed and the two hit it off pretty much immediately. Amber hurt Tracy during dodgeball and Penny, Seaweed, and Link rush to help her. So Link starts falling in love with Tracy at that point. So it's actually a very cute callback to Tracy's solo, I Can Hear the Bell. You hear it like in the background and he's like, I can hear a bell. Um, it was really, really cute, I thought. But it was so random. It's really? Like, I thought it was cute. Because he, he saw her face her and like he's that? like, oh, wow, she's so gentle. She's so pretty. And he kind of had a connection because I feel like before he didn't take the time to actually look at her all that much. He was more focused on himself and how he would look to producers and TV and stuff like that. Because all the time they've seen together was in the studio, I believe. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was more self-conscious or like, sorry, self-centered. And didn't take the time to actually perceive who she is. And this is the first time he did. Not that I I love the Roman so much. I don't really care for it, to be honest. The one that I really like are Edna and Wilbur. But I can see where they're coming from. So this is the first time he takes a good look at her, understands kind of who she is. And he gets that ping in his head. I can hear the bell. And uh, you, you understand that he's falling in love. But maybe it's just me who sees this maybe what what does that make sense I don't know I just thought it was very random it's very quick just by looking at somebody's face it's like oh I fall in love with you so like the whole romance between the two of them seems so superficial to me I had no idea why Tracy had a crush on Link I'm guessing it's because he's very good looking and she started having that crush before she even meets like meets him so it's definitely more on like the look level and then if what you're saying is true so like the fact that he takes a look at her face and fall in love with her is also very unrealistic Mm -hmm. to me so I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not supposed to be shoot for realistic it's kind of like Disney again where it's love at first sight so it's not like I don't think they're rooting or shooting for superficiality. They're like, oh, she fell in love with him in first sight and he fell in love with her at first sight or when he first started to actually take a good look at her and understand Mm -hmm. who she is as a person. So I think this is what they're kind of like trying to steer the audience towards. I don't think is as interesting as the other romances they have there. It's kind of the most milk toast, boring one for me. And I think you agree. But I think this is something you have to put aside. It's like people who can't do musical, it's like, oh, I just cannot get into how they sing in the middle for no reason. It's kind of like something you have to put aside and be like, you know, love at first sight. It's it's comedy. This is what this is about. It will likely be a big feature. 
And then after that, Seaweed invites them to his house so his mom could look at Tracy and he sings about Black Pride. Uh, So as I mentioned, every single song from now on is going to be an absolute banger. And this is really, really good. We're also officially introduced to his sister, little Inez, who sings in the song too. And she's a very gifted dancer and she's a very gifted singer. And I love this number because it's so high energy and high impact. And it's really well done. It's happy. It's happy in being who you are, which is a big running theme in this entire musical. And it's unabashedly so. So for me, this is a very high, high. I really enjoy this one. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Like, honestly, the song itself is not bad, but it just repeats itself too much. Mm. Like, I like the message of the song, like, because the character, we get to see, like, there's a more of a generation shift towards integration. And then the seaweed and other, like, young Black characters, they're, like, marginalized at their school. They're, like, constantly sent to detention for no reason. And I also like one thing about the lyrics, though, is that I really, really like how the lyrics play with food, too. So like the darker the chocolate, the sweeter the taste or um, wait, are we talking about that song? Yep. OK, OK. <laughs> Just want to make sure. No um, or like the the multiculturalism and the food. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I like the connection they're trying to make here. And the message seems to be like the diversity really benefits the society the same way um, a multitude of flavors can enhance like a meal, I guess. So I like that. And his sister is so cute and she has a really good vocal too. Um, so in general, I like the message message of the song I like how it was delivered but it just because it repeats way 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 too much Mm -hmm. um it gets me a little bit uncomfortable and also towards the end he was trying to be more sexual with Penny and that is also something something that makes me a little bit uncomfortable but yeah that didn't happen in the movie like the lasso move did happen but like not going down to the knees oh okay okay yeah. yeah yeah that definitely happened in the version I watched. Yeah, I also took note of it. I was like, oh, I don't remember that from the movie. <laughs> but it wasn't so... They did that actually also in Your Timeless to Me. And I was like, I am not a big fan of either of those instances happening. And I'm glad that... I, at least I don't remember it from the movie. Okay. Uh, and then the final act one closer is Big Blonde and Beautiful. So the crew goes to Seaweed's house and meets Mabel. Seaweed's mom and Tracy thanks Seaweed for his help on teaching her the dance move and acknowledges that this is actually why she got on the show in the first place. She asks why they can't integrate the shows. Mabel says it's not for lack of trying on their part. Amber and Velma follow the crew to Mabel's house and berate her for allowing them to dance together. And Edna also shows up at the dance party. As soon as Edna shows up, Velma insults her for her weight and Edna sticks up for herself and then Velma and Amber leaves. I was really happy to see Edna sticking up for herself so close after her transformation to be a more confident person. And she continues that transformation more and more. And I thought it was such a heartwarming journey. So this is, I think, the first instance where I noticed that the change in her stuck. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really cute. Then they ask Link to come with. So Velma and Amber ask Link to come with, but he refuses and he stays there. So Seaweed asks if Tracy and Link would be willing to dance with them on their show, to which Tracy responds with asking them to come and dance with them on the show tomorrow instead. So they have like 
the Black kids have their own show that I think happens one, once a month. And then every other day is the White Kids Day. So to make a bigger impact, essentially, they want the Black crew to come to the White uh, to the uh, white show specifically tomorrow is a big event it's a mother-daughter day and she wants mabel and inez to dance together so link refuses to join the cause because he doesn't want to risk his career and tries to appeal to tracy to leave but she refuses and stays so this is a point where i'm really proud of tracy if i wasn't really really proud of tracy by welcome to the 60s this i was like tracy you're doing something good and link you are straight up trash So uh, they continue planning for tomorrow. And when Tracy says she and Edna would be there, Edna refuses because she doesn't want to be seen on TV in her current weight, which is, again, something I thought was really realistic because she still has some reservations, right? Mm -hmm. And she's not like perfect, self-confident, completely within one song segment. So I thought they really gave her a nice arc here. And Mabel says she's overweight too, but it doesn't stop her. And then the crew start to protest outside the studio and all get arrested. And Mabel drags Velma and Amber with her to prison at the very end. What do you think? So I actually understand why Link doesn't want to be a part of this. I understand too. Yeah. So I don't blame him too, too, too much. I think just because you thought something was right where like you make a choice doesn't mean that, you know, it's right to force it on other people too. So I think obviously what Tracy's doing is noble and is right, but that doesn't mean, you know, whoever that doesn't feel comfortable enough to stand up is a villain or like a bad person. So Mm -hmm. I can, I can not call him trash for it. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. But that's just me. That's fair. And, And for the song itself, I don't mind listening to it, but I think it's just okay. It's not something that like leaves too strong of an impression on me, but that's just me though. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I hope you I love this song. Um okay. yeah, I feel like Is it your favorite? No, it's not. Okay. We don't get my favorite yet, but it's gonna come. I think like I don't know, because you're not very into pop, but have you heard of I'm all about that bass? <sighs> It rings a bell, but I can't remember how it sounds like. You're going to sing it for us? No. <laughs> Please do. No, no, no. No, no, no. You will sing me. You will sing me. You will hear me sing when we go to karaoke together. And that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and first, I demand to hear you sing Lion King before I even open my mouth. If we do like an episode of Lion King, I'm definitely going to sing it. <gasps> really? Why not? And you'll leave it in the episode? I will see you. Please do. (laughs) The audience deserves. They have rights, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Are you are you speaking for them or for yourself? Am I not the audience? You're not the audience. Am I not the audience? I think I'm the audience. Who hears you speak? Me. I'm the audience. Okay, okay. (laughs) Going back to the song though. Yeah, so this is like I'm all about that bass, but it's 20 times better i'm all about that bass has nothing on this what a gem of a number love it when we finish this you you have to put on i'm all about that bass and see how much this is superior to that uh it's such a fun song to sing too like you know how she like goes really like rory almost when she says like bring on that pecan pie and it was so so fun to like try to go with that like 
Rory, I don't know, song, like um, voice. And I don't even like pecan pie, but I will belt this like <laughs> no tomorrow, like no tomorrow. And personally, like I also really like the self-love in this one. So um, it's not a very bombastic act one closer, but I wouldn't have it like any other way because I think it's like a really fun song to close on when you have such a horrible thing happening in the background of like all of them getting arrested because protesting, which is their rights to do. Um, it, cre- it screams like defiant, but also optimistic, which is the whole vibe of the musical. So I think it's a very fitting act one closer, even though it's not like, you know, the most, what is it called, cliffhangery, mm-hmm. like, closer we had. So I really enjoyed it. I just, like, like the energy she gives. The energy she gives is so immaculate. I don't know. It's really good. I really enjoy it. Um, we go with Act 2 opener, which also didn't exist in movie. Uh, I'm going to combine it with another one. So the opener is The Big Doll House, and the second song I'm combining it with is Good Morning Baltimore Reprise. The act two opens with the crew in prison. They sing a very jazzy number with a tap dance in it, which is really nice. Tracy argues with Velma and Velma says she won't let Tracy anywhere near the show again before promptly getting freed by the governor. Wilbur mortgages his store, which is his dream, by the way, to bail out everyone in the prison not just Tracy and Edna, everybody, but Tracy can't leave and is moved to solitary confinement due to governor's order. Yeah, I cannot stress enough what a precious, precious man Wilbur is. Did you feel it? Right? I was like, oh my god, this this guy is a treasure. He must be protected at all costs. So that was my big takeaway from this. So what did you think? Um, it's funny because in the version that I watched, the whole thing was blackout for this oh, whole song. So I yikes. don't see anything. Yikes. Um, yeah. So I feel like I probably wouldn't be able to comment on it much, but Aww. the song itself, it's okay. I see the very last bit of the reprise okay. when she's like singing in solitude, but that's pretty much it. They have very different sounds between like one another. So the Big Doll House is obviously very jazzy. And I think it's the most jazzy or classically jazzy we've been the entire show and then from what I remember you're not a big fan of jazz no yeah and then good morning Baltimore is your favorite from the musical but so how- oh. but but okay. but okay okay so even though I don't I'm not like the biggest fan of jazz I don't mind listening to it and sometimes I feel like they're actually quite nice but mm-hmm. just a lot of times I don't understand jazz music as a like a genre I guess and that's my issue or like that is my personal problem with jazz but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I hate it just want to make it clear okay that definitely makes it clear for me and good morning Baltimore is your favorite from the musical so how did it feel revisiting it I think it's a good reprise because it definitely gives a very different vibe and you know how sometimes there's a reprise of a song but it just sounds completely the same oh too like, well you just yeah <laughs> or like you just sing like maybe two lines of the same song and that's it and you call it a reprise <clears> kind <throat> of fun home I know right so yeah I feel like as a reprise it's a very interesting one because it gives a very different vibe and she is very cute when she sings that I will eat some breakfast and change the world I'm like you go girl okay <laughs> 
Yeah, I have to agree. So I really like jazz. I think this is probably something that my parents, again, imparted on me. They're a big fan of jazz. And I really, really enjoy The Big Doll House as an act two opener. I really like the tap dance number, which I'm really sorry you couldn't see because it was really, really nice. And they actually referenced it in the show. They're like, oh, take your tap shoes or something. So I really, really enjoyed it as an act two opener. And um, in terms of the reprise, I think it made a really big impact. So like this one particularly calls back to the first number and the change of Tracy's view, as you said, uh, specifically on the city due to the governor's interfering with the justice system is really good and very noticeable. And I think it takes a more realistic approach to a musical that has been a little bit too positive to be true and makes it more down to earth in a way. And I also like that we got some more time alone with Tracy. I know you mentioned it. You don't like her voice. It's too girly for you. But personally, as the main character, we haven't got some time alone with her since the very, very beginning. And since she's the protagonist, I think it's pretty important to have a little bit more time alone and a little bit more solos to attribute to her. So I thought it was really, really good to have it there. And it was necessary for sure. Hmm. Then we get my favorite number, which is your timeless to me. And I'm going to couple it with your timeless to me reprise. So Mr. Pinky asks Edna to return the outfits he gave them and stops the sponsorship while Wilbur closes the store. So they briefly talk about their misfortune or hardship, but Wilbur cheers Edna up. And for me, it's just the most precious and wholesome song in the entire musical. It just, whenever it comes up, I cannot stop myself from smiling when the two are together. They're just so in love. They're so cute. And they rely, like, they know even though times are hard, they will rely on each other and they'll be in each other's corner at, like, all times, whenever is necessary. And they will do whatever is necessary for them to stay together. They do it in such a happy, optimistic way that I cannot stop myself from, like, liking them and wanting them to succeed so, so badly. So for me, it stands out. What do you think? Yeah, it's very cute to see parents still loving each other like yeah. this. Even though it's a little bit gross. Really? Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I don't grow up with like lovey-dovey parents. Mm. But if I try to put myself into the shoes of like a child of this kind of parent. And I feel like it will feel a little bit weird to see parents like loving each other like that Mm -hmm. but I will agree it's a very nice thing to see them still very loving each other seems like a very happy family I'll give you that like Mm -hmm. Tracy's bright character doesn't come from nowhere and you can definitely see that it comes like a big part of it comes from the very great parents that two of them are and the way they treat each other is also very cute even though Still, imagining me being their child makes me feel like it's a little bit gross, but 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 yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> right kind of gross that I am able to live with. The next one is without love, so Link busts Tracy out of prison, uh, which remind me of Sweeney Todd so much. Not only with how he dressed, but also like <laughs> with the whole image. Did not? I didn't even make that connection. You did not. Yeah. Oh my God, it just gave me those vibes so bad. She was like in solitary confinement. It was like gross in the background and whatever. And he came in there busting her out, trying to like commit crimes or whatever. And it just gave me Sweeney Todd all over again. And he also tells Tracy that he quit the show 
and he asks Tracy to be his girlfriend, and she agrees. Meanwhile, Prudy ties Penny up in her room as punishment for being in jail. Okay. Uh, but without her permission. Obviously, without her permission. <laughs> that was yes, I gave her permission to tie me really tight in my room and never let me leave. No, no, no. I mean, like, she was tied up because she was in a jail without her Oh, yes, permission. yes, yes. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> that, that part was the funny part. Okay. Got yeah. you. <laughs> Um, but seaweed come to rescue her as well and uh, I thought it was really really cute my best memories of it are of course from the movie where I thought they have really cute parallels there obviously the parallels exist outside of the movie but the movie scene of like busting Tracy out and like hiding her were are very vivid in my mind my best associations are definitely from the movie but even in the musical they do a very good job with this number and I thought it was very wholesome uh, it's not as good as your timeless to me in terms of a love song, even though it has love in the title, but it's nonetheless still very good. What do you think? Agree, agree. I feel like it. if it's just by itself, I probably wouldn't mind it as much, but, but because it comes right after timeless to me, then it kind of feels like a full shirt for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit disappointed to be honest, I expected more because this is the love song when you see the feelings are mutual and mm-hmm. they're finally, you know, confirming their feelings for each other, which should be a really good song, but it's not as good as my expectation. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit disappointing in that regard, but I don't mind it. Again, I don't mind listening to a lot of the songs and this being one of them, but it just kind of more boring and less memorable Mm -hmm. yeah to be honest for this one I much prefer the seaweed and penny yeah me too yeah I feel you (laughs) so uh from here we're going to probably the most powerful song in the entire musical it's I know where I've been so seaweed brings penny home to protect her from her mom and link brings tracy to mabel's as well and tracy wants to turn herself in to not get the others in trouble, but Mabel convinces her not to, and instead they'll hijack the Miss Teenage Hairspray Ceremony. So uh, as I mentioned, this is the most powerful song by far to me. And in my opinion, it's also the most important song in the entire musical. It puts all the lighthearted tone of the musical in perspective and shows that you have to fight for what's right and uh, persevere no matter what. And seeing some moments, particularly in the number, were really important to me. So like seeing Mabel hug her kids during the song and then reaching out to Tracy was so emotional because like you can see how much she appreciates the help and how much she needs it in order to make a change and how important allyship is. So I don't know. I thought it was a really, really well done and important number. And this was a number that they actually had to fight to include because a lot of producers thought it would be too much of a downer for the musical to have. And I'm glad they included regardless. And uh, not to inject glee into it, well, I already injected glee into it, but uh, they did this song in there too I think it was season six yes I think it was season six and they sang it for um, transgender pride and it was such a highlight of the show it gave me chills with how good it was so even taking the song in a different context of like other minority groups that need to battle their ways to get rights I think it will be relatable to a lot of people and a lot of different minorities but uh, I thought it was really meaningful to see that can translate really well to other minority groups yeah yeah I think this is a really good song too it's very serious minded and very inspiring 
um, I enjoy it tremendously because just the way that the way that the song is delivered with so much emotion mm-hmm. and obviously with the context of um, the struggle they've been fighting for and all of the past history that's not happening just in the show but like also in our world even today is very relatable and you can really see that I don't know that just that emotion and feelings and feels like they're pulling their heart out to sing this one is what makes it very moving for me mm-hmm. um the version that I watched like the person sings of using too much of a throat and it, it feels like she's stretching it mm-hmm. and then her height note therefore it kind of sounds like a little bit too sharp in mm-hmm. a way and it's a little bit uncomfortable but even that like even we with uh, the lack of you know perfect vocal ability but you can still feel it and I feel like sometimes the imperfection is what makes the song so emotionally relatable too so uh it's one of the weird ones because even though the vocal is not top-notch but like I still really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and I really enjoy the context the seriousness behind it I like it how even though the overall tone of this musical is very late and bright and kind of easygoing, but then they are able to kind of pull off a more serious and a more emotional number like this. The racial integration is something that we see the characters trying to fight for, but I feel like without a song like this, you don't really feel what they're feeling emotionally. It's more (laughs) like just something that's driving a plot without Mm -hmm. much exploration and depth. So I like how they included a song just for this, just for the issues, not related to any character in particular, but like overall a population or community and like a very serious, very worthy issue, social issue that they're trying to fight for. So I like that. Okay. So the next one is it's Hairspray. And then I'm going to pair it with Cooties. Cooties wasn't in the movie but it's Hairspray was. We cut to Corny introducing the Miss Teenage Hairspray. I don't know. I think I can just talk about them separately already because they're really short. But I like this song personally because I think it's a lot of fun and super catchy. And I just like would randomly remember it specifically from the movie. And I think it's like really corny, like the show and really cute. Did you enjoy it? I do. Like it's not bad, but I just don't have much thoughts because... I feel like narratively, it doesn't really have a lot of value. Yeah, that's fair. It's mainly, I think, just for for show. So Amber and Tracy are supposed to have a dance-off as the two front runners for the title. And Tracy isn't there because, you know, she's supposed to be in prison. And uh, Amber starts her dance first. And this is a moment that I think would be really important for you because of Amber's hair. So I think if oh anything, <laughs> yeah, this this would like intensify all the feelings of rage you have towards the hair she just has like a ball a huge ball the size bigger than the size of her actual head I think on her hair and it's very comical I'm gonna be really honest because of that I feel like I wasn't really paying attention yeah that's to the song and (laughs) I'm looking at my notes right now and it's blank so I think that's just (laughs) how much um I decided to just mentally try to ignore what's mm-hmm. happening so yeah I also think there's not much to the song itself besides the hair which is obviously not part of the actual song it's all right it's not super memorable 
and I do prefer so in the movie she again (laughs) in the movie she has a whole verse in new girl in town and the reason she has I think cooties is because she doesn't have any other big singing parts and she is like a medium-sized character at the very least I'd say so they had to give her some kind of solo I'd rather them keeping the new girl in towns and cutting cooties which was not a memorable number in my opinion than keep cooties and cut off the new girl in town you know mm-hmm so yeah, that's that's it for me. And then we got to the very final, very big bombastic number, which is You Can't Stop the Beat. It's also the most famous number from this entire musical. After Amber's number, she wins apparently the title because Tracy isn't there. But Tracy enters at the very last minute to sing her big number, which is You Can't Stop, Be- Stop the Beat with her friends. At the end of her number, she's crowned the winner. The shows become integrated. She gets a scholarship from the governor. Velma gets promoted to vice president of hair products line for women of color. Lynx get a recording <laughs> contract. Penny's mom gives her blessing. Uh, Penny's and Seaweed's relationship. Edna and Wilbur showcase their talents on TV. And to close it all off, Tracy and Link kiss and make it official for everybody to know. So a lot of things happen at the very, very last thing. And it's kind of like shoehorned in to tie it all up very quickly and make it a happy ending. But the main portion of it is you can't stop to beat the music itself. So as I mentioned, it is definitely by far, by far the most famous number from the show. And I think it's for a good reason. It's really fantastic. It's an amazing closing number because it's so high energy. It's essentially exactly what the show stands for. It has all the big characters singing, all the good quote unquote characters singing. And I think it is very rewarding for the viewers to see a happy ending like this. And for a number of reasons, you know, so I think overall, it's a really, really good, solid closing number. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's one of the famous songs from this musical, right? Yeah. And it's it's a really, really nice number. And I'm very impressed to see how much they're able to keep that energy all the way till the end. And I'm talking about the actors because they literally physically have to carry that energy, especially for Tracy, I guess, um, from the very beginning of this musical to this very number. So that is a long time. And mm-hmm. I'm very, very impressed at how they're able to pull it off every single time they're having a performance. So Mm -hmm. very interesting there. I don't know. It's a very interesting arrangement because technically it is the finale, but then you still have quite a bit to go through after the song. So like you said, a lot of things happen. A lot of the, um, what do you call it? Like quote unquote, I guess, ending of the characters are revealed and you get to learn like what happened to every single one of them after the song ended and not actually kinda, yeah, yeah and then they have like a reprise kind exactly. of exactly they have a break um, in the middle yeah yeah so to me I would have preferred if it's just like one whole number instead of like breaking it up like that but mm-hmm. it's just my personal preference and you know this right yes. like I don't like having too much dialogue or talking parts in yes so but that's just me not just me. And as for the song itself, um, I still really enjoy it. I think it's very energetic, very catchy too. And yeah, so all the positive things to say about this finale, I think it closed up the musical perfectly. What are your final thoughts? Okay, I'm just going to go first because I feel like you have quite a bit to say about this. I don't actually, um, but go ahead. Oh, really? Okay, so overall, it's a not bad musical. Like, 
aside from the fashion trends, I really, truly don't understand. Um, the story overall doesn't really have a lot of flaws. Like, it's a little bit on the boring side for me, just because, first of all, it's a romance and second of all, it's comedy. And both of these genres are not really my cup of tea, per se. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, for me, the character seems like they're a little bit flat. But then overall, still nice. Like, the villains, they have boring motivation. Like, every single villain's in the comedy, I feel like. But then overall, it gives you that very early 2000 comedy vibe. Which is exactly what it is. Because um, that's I, I think that's when it came up like at least for the movie and the musical I believe originated in 2002 okay okay so yeah about that time I guess the movie was 2007 I believe and the closing of it was 2009 for the musical fitting in that era completely all right so in general I don't mind watching it and uh, some of the songs are quite nice but I probably will not spend like let's say a hundred bucks on the ticket money to return to watch in a theater um just because that it's overall like the story and the characters and the vibe is just not something that I vibe with very much Mm -hmm. but I don't mind it and while I'm watching it I can still enjoy the show and I think that's the most important thing because there are some other shows that while I'm watching it it just a painful journey and I have to pull through that two hours but for this one it's okay for me you know this is this kind of thing is my jam I'm a big fan of like comedies I'm a big fan of romantic comedies feel-good movies animated movies kid stuff I like teen stuff I like so this is right up my alley obviously having the childhood connection to it of watching it in middle school connecting with it even though like I couldn't actually see myself in any of the characters so like I'm not overweight for example I'm not like black so it didn't hit on me with any of the themes it was still very rewarding to see this kind of thing playing on um, theaters and being very successful so this is actually a we didn't mention it in the beginning, but this is an incredibly successful show. It, it won like eight Tonys, I believe. And it's really groundbreaking because if you think about it, the 2000 is when the stick thin body type was really in and having a plus size woman true. that is like reveling in confidence and is unabashedly who she is. And she encourages other plus size women to express confident and to be confident in who they are is not something you see today even, and much less so in the early 2000. And this movie being celebrated for it, uh, or despite it, considering the time maybe, and doing so well shows that there is actually a really big market for that. And I think seeing more diverse body types for women, I think that could be really, really rewarding for a lot of women. So I appreciated that. And the songs in general are really good. I enjoy the fashion here. For the songs, the movie specifically, I'm talking here. And even for the musical, there are only maybe a couple I didn't like. And I Can Hear the Bells is one of them. And It Takes Two is the other. So I thought they were very, very cute. It models a lot of like really healthy relationship, like Wilbur and Edna and strong friendship, like Penny and Tracy, where they never had like a conflict between them. They always had each other's back and showing a lot of positivity and uh, willingness to do stuff and to help others is really not something you see every day, to be honest. I feel like I've been repeating the not something you see every day, not something you've seen a lot since. And I think that's really true. I can't really remember a lot of 
movies that were like that or a lot of like tv shows even that had this kind of energy that this did and i don't know i think this is a really important musical to exist and i'm glad it does so do you want to introduce the quiz you usually don't you usually are the one to do the honors okay so um we're doing the quiz from buzzfeed and this is which hairspray character are you Uh, so the first one is choose a breakfast food so the options are donuts, waffles, cinnamon French toast sticks, breakfast sandwich, hash browns, and cereal. So I'm going to choose sandwich because I can't eat sweet for breakfast. Okay, I'm going to choose cereal. Choose something you love. Dancing, singing, hanging out with friends, winning, performing, trying new things. Hanging out with friends? I'm debating between singing and hanging out with friends. Usually I would wait until uh, my brother and sister are out of the house or something so I could get like maybe half an hour to an hour to sing when they aren't there. (laughs) Nice. So I won't interrupt them, but yeah, let's be singing. Why not? Choose a hair item, scrunchie, headband, tiara, beret, bandana, and bow. Scrunchie. Same. Choose a song. Womanizer by Britney Spears. Love Lies by Khalid and Normani. That's the only song I don't know from here, by the way. Focus by Ariana Grande. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Rolling in the Deep by Adele. This is America by Childish Gambino. Do you know all the songs from here? Um, not all. So I'm going to choose Adele. I'm really debating between Womanizer, Focus, and Billie Jean. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> On the clock, but the party don't stop. No, I had a hard time choosing, uh, choosing between Villaging and Rolling the Deep, too. Yeah, yeah. Villaging yeah. is so good. But I really Michael like Jackson Ariana Grande. Legend, yeah. And I like Britney Spears. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with Womanizer. Okay. Choose a color. Yellow, a purplish color, I guess. A red, turquoise, green, and pink. I hate all of these. You do? Yeah. Oh, what's what's your favorite color again? Uh, I don't really have one, but I wear black and white a lot. Okay. <laughs> I'll choose red then. Okay, I'm going to choose turquoise. It's the closest thing they have to blue. Choose a popular duo. Peanut butter and jelly, Lilo and Stitch, Salt and Pepper, Cosmo and Wanda, Macaroni and Cheese, Zach and Cody, which we talked about last week. Yes. Isn't it funny? <laughs> it Everything is. is coming back um i'm gonna choose salt and pepper i'm gonna choose Lilo and stitch choose a school subject history english science gym theater math i swear this question is in every single one i know right i'm gonna choose history science choose some cookies sugar cookies chocolate chip cookies oatmeal raisin cookies peanut butter cookies snickerdoodle cookies butter cookies chocolate chip butter cookies but i hate cookies in general what'd you get i got amber I got Tracy. <laughs> Interesting. I know, right? Uh, you're not an Amber. An huh? Like they don't even have a description. I know that was kind of disappointing, but it had the most food involved, so I appreciated that. I guess. <laughs> okay, so I think that's it from the quiz section, and now let's go into our very final ratings. Are you ready with a drum roll? I'm gonna give it five out of 10 horrible tasted clothes uh i'm gonna give it eight out of 10 pecan pies what why bring on the pecan pie 
Oh my god. And put some sugar on it. Sugar, don't be shy. Uh, all right. <laughs> So I guess this is it for us and this is it for Hairspray. And if you guys want to talk about this episode with us or any other previous episode, you want to give us a recommendation for stuff to cover, you can contact us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. Or you can email us at podwaypodcast at gmail.com if you're not really a social media person. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.